Hello and welcome to the first episode of Daybreak, the best place for you to get your weekly news and opinions. I'm your host, Pippa Schrader, and today we will be getting some wise words from Hamilton Middle Schoolers on how you can fight boredom if you're being quarantined or if your school's closed. We'll also be learning about the causes and effects of COVID-19 with Sarah Campbell, local school nurse. And after the announcement break, a news tidbit on Cece, the first clone cat, and how this headlining feline is being remembered. Now, let's get on with the show. Sometimes, during this pandemic, it seems like the whole world is struggling. Whether it's too overwhelming to you, or just very underwhelming, or just confusing. But some listeners sent in ideas and suggestions on what we should do to keep from getting too swept up in the anxiety around COVID-19. A listener named Ellie from Hamilton Middle School says some good things to do would just be simply starting a new book series, learning a new skill like calligraphy or a type of art, or simply treating yourself to some kind of self-care day, whether it means taking a long shower, getting a foot massage, or going to a spa. Another listener named Daphna from Hamilton said that you could learn to do origami, make a flip book, or make an I-Spy puzzle or an I-Spy jar and test it out on your friends and family. One other listener, Chandan, said that it'd be fun to make a pizza, go on a bike ride if the weather is nice, or listen to podcasts. Well, you've already checked one of those things off your COVID-19 bucket list, if you have one, by listening to Daybreak. By the way, thanks to all the listeners that sent in some good ideas of passing time, but should we be careful of getting the coronavirus as kids or not? Or is it okay if we do? And how do we get coronavirus anyway? Here to answer some of those questions and more is Sarah Campbell, who is the school nurse at Franklin Elementary and the mother of Bryn, Colin, and Mia, all MMSD students. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Papa? Pretty good. So, Sarah, what should be what should we be watching out at, for as symptoms of the coronavirus in ourselves and others? So, the main symptoms of coronavirus seem to be a fever and a cough, um, mm-hmm. first and foremost. And then, if your cough gets worse, you might have some trouble breathing, or if you're someone who has asthma, your asthma might act up. Mm-hmm. It really seems like it can affect your lungs pretty strongly. Okay. So, but, like, how long can coronavirus live on an object? Like, if I had a book or tablet, would, if I had coronavirus, would the virus live on there for a while, or would it just sort of die off if it wasn't on a human? Yeah, so I'm think you know, there's a lot we're still finding out about the coronavirus in specific. I know with a lot of other viruses on surfaces, they tend to die off about after about 24 hours. Um, with the coronavirus, they've had some studies that show it can be living up to three three days on surfaces. So you really want to be um, cleaning and sanitizing surfaces and really just washing your hands as much as you can. And that's going to be your best defense against the coronavirus right now. Yeah, like what, what, like washing your hands, how will that like help with it? Or I know we're told to wash our hands every day and it's to get rid of germs, but like what happens when you wash your hands? So the reason that um, washing your hands is so important and cleaning off surfaces is so important is because what they seem to be learning about coronavirus is that it's passed by 
contact and droplets on surfaces. So you really have to be pretty close to someone. Um, for example, if I if I coughed and sneezed on my computer keyboard and there were actual droplets of spit, I know that's kind of gross. <laughs> yeah. Keyboard, and then yeah. someone else came after me and used that same keyboard and touched those droplets, mm. even if they were dry, the virus was there. And then if I then touched my own face, like my mouth, my nose, my eyes, um, then that's how you would get it. It's not seeming to be something that goes through the air. So masks aren't really that important um, unless you are the one who is sick. Mm -hmm. But that's why washing your hands after you touch surfaces. Soap and water is the best, but it does get killed by hand sanitizer as long as it's more than 60% alcohol-based. So um, if you can't wash your hands with soap and water, the second best is hand sanitizer. Okay, so like, um, I know that as a child, it's they say it's not so supposed to like affect me because of my immune system. Is that true, or is it that it can affect you but less mild symptoms? Or just can you help me explain that? Yeah, I think I think that it will give you less mild symptoms. I mean, what they're what they're finding out, and again, they're they're figuring out a lot about this right now um, is that it doesn't seem it kids get it at the same rate as adults it it creates much milder symptoms in them whether that's because they have stronger immune systems or because kids lungs in general um, tend to be healthier they haven't been exposed to as many things in the environment and they haven't um, you know, they haven't smoked, and ideally yeah, they haven't yeah. been exposed to smoke. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, you know, a lot of different reasons that kids don't seem to get us sick from it. And the other interesting thing is men seem to get sicker from it. And there was just a hmm. study that came out, I want to say yesterday, that women have an enzyme um, that is keeping them from getting it as much as men. Okay, so like if my, if like a father or a uncle had it, then my aunt, just assuming it's an aunt or a mother, like sh they wouldn't get it as bad because of their enzymes? Right, exactly. That's kind of what, that was just some research that they is just coming out as of yesterday on this virus. Wow, that's so fascinating. So, um... I'm just wondering, how does this affect you as a school nurse? I mean, since schools are closed, it's, like, probably kind of crazy. And also, like, how you identify coronavirus. And I'm just interested in hearing how it affects you, sort of. Yeah, so, I mean, it obviously had a huge effect on my job as a school nurse and on everyone being in the public school system. Yes. Um, <laughs> We first started hearing about it in the school setting, I want to say maybe even two to three weeks ago, and then things just really rapidly accelerated when yes. we started to see more cases in the United States. Um, so we started having a lot of meetings about, um, you know, which sanitizer should we be using in the school setting? What surfaces do we need to wipe down? There was a lot of talk about 
how and when can we get all the kids to be washing their hands as much as possible in the school. And it, it was a little bit difficult because, you know, for example, at my son Colin's school, they decided everyone should wash their hands with soap and water before lunch. There's almost 400 kids at that school. So to get over 100 kids each lunchtime at a sink when there's only maybe three sinks in each bathroom, you can kind of imagine, like, there was a lot of things that we learned about how our schools are set up and how how much access we have to hand-washing stations. Mm-hmm. Um, we had ordered some portable hand-washing stations to be used, but then school actually ended up being closed. Um, also, I saw a lot of kids just being worried about it, yes. coming in and maybe they just had a cold or maybe they just had a regular sore throat because we're still in the middle of regular cold and flu season. Yeah, and they would come in and be worried about, you know, do they have coronavirus or worried about the grown-ups in their household. So I also just saw a lot of a lot of worry about it, too. Yeah. What's something you would say to ease people's worry about this? Because truthfully, you shouldn't be that anxious if you're not older, right? Or if you have asthma. So like, what's something that you could tell people to make them not as freaked out about this pandemic? Yeah. So I could say that just what you said, if you're not someone who has any of the higher risk factors, particularly if you're elderly, um, then even if you did get it, it's probably going to just seem like maybe a bad cold, Mm. maybe the flu, but you're going to be fine. And what we're doing right now is is the right thing to do. We're just trying not to spread it right now. It's not as if, you know, it's everywhere. Um, But what we're doing is the right thing for everyone in our society. Um, Yes. And it's not not that, you know, we're all going to go out and get get sick and die. It's just that we're just trying not to spread it so that the people who this could really be harmful for don't get it. So I would say just we're doing all the right things. And if you just wash your hands and if you, um, you know, do the social distancing and, um, and we all do the right thing, then what we know from other countries is that it's gonna, it's gonna get better. Yeah. So I have one last question before I leave you. So why is coronavirus called the coronavirus? And does it mean something? Oh, so the coronavirus is called, the coronavirus is actually a group of viruses that are shaped like that sun. Maybe you've seen that picture of the sun with the spikes all around it. Mm, um, yeah, like a cartoon sun? So it, like a like what? A, like a cartoon sun or just like a? Yeah, exactly. Like a cartoon sun. It's it's a virus that would actually look like that if you looked at it under a microscope. Wow. And then they decided, you know, they identified some more characteristics about it and gave it a more specific name, which mm-hmm. was called COVID-19. Actually, I don't know why it's called COVID-19. I think that would be a really good question for whomever's listening to go out and look and exactly why they named it that. Um but they just gave it a more specific name for this specific coronavirus. Uh, so, kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, that's that's really cool. Um, so, listeners, you can also go out and figure that out. Maybe next week I can give, like, a little 
part of the podcast, I can talk about what it means. So awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. It was really great talking to you. You too, Peppa. Wow. There's a lot to think about after that interview. Sarah really knows her stuff. Anyway, the main takeaway I got from that interview is that kids can't really get hurt from coronavirus. The only thing we can do is just make sure we don't infect people, if we do have the coronavirus, that is, that we don't infect people who are elderly or who have asthma or another long-term condition. That means that we just need to stay away from those people if we have coronavirus and um, do all the other health precautions, just make sure. So after this, after the break, that is, we will talk about Cece, the first clone cat, and how she's being remembered. See you after the break. Support for the show comes from DNM Graphic Novel Library. DNM Graphic Novel Library is a library subscription service that delivers quality graphic novels to your door in the Madison Dejimin Row area for $7 a subscription. Tune in later this year to learn more about the summer subscriptions. Thanks, and back to the show. Hi again, and welcome back to Daybreak. A very special feline was in the headlines this week after she passed away with the title of Cece the First Clone Cat. Earlier this month, Cece, which stands for Clone Cat or Copycat, died at the ripe old age of 18. She wasn't just the first clone cat, but also the first clone pet as well. The title of first cloned animal, although, went to Dolly the Sheep created five years earlier, but Cece got it better than any sheep could have. Dr. Dwayne Kramer, one of the members of the team that created Cece, and her adopter, treated her like royalty by making a two-story cat tree with air conditioning, a caged patio, and running water. How did they do the cloning, though? Well, they started by electrocuting some of Rainbow's cells. By the way, Rainbow is the cat that they decided to clone. And then they put them in the petri dish and let them grow. Then, and this is quite gross, <laughs> they transplanted Rainbow's electrocuted cells into a female recipient. And just like a normal cat fetus, Cece grew until she was born, and then she became a celebrity. The thing is, even if you use the same cells, you can't completely clone a cat because not all genes will be activated. For example, Cece had more orange in her fur than Rainbow ever did. Dr. Kramer doesn't recommend cloning your cat, though. And, as he said in an NPR interview, We don't really need more cats. I encourage people to go out into the pound and adopt a cat. So if you want to get a carbon copy of your cat... Make sure you first go to the pound and see if there's a good cat that's right for you. And remember, Cece, the first clone cat. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Daybreak. I'm your host, Pippa Schrader. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any other content like this. And a special thanks to Chandan, Sarah, Ellie, and Daphna. Also, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free. I'm always open for suggestions. One more thing before you leave. If you want to take a poll about today's responses, please look in the show notes. There'll be a link. Have a great rest of your day.